You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. And guys, we are live here on Talking Tough. Um, it, it's a special day because my good friend and yours, Eric Butterbean Ash, is traveling the highways and byways of America in his newly purchased custom Beanmobile. And uh, Bean, I, I love this, man, because, dude, you, you set a goal. And when you set it, you didn't think you were going to achieve it. I thought you would. But you persevered, man. You kicked some ass. And look at you. You're you're cruising. And I hope you're gonna give us a tour today. That'll be a, a beautiful I'm gonna do thing. my best. I can't I don't I don't know how to operate everything yet. So I'm working on minimum lights. I, I tried to I got the generator started right up. I don't know what switch to flip to make <laughs> everything work. But on the back of, on the back of the camper, I'm getting this painted on it. Nice. Oh nice. No, oh, I love it. No, but wait a second. You know you're going to attract attention and followers doing that. Do you want that? I mean, that's going to be interesting, man. Yeah, we we see it. Um, It's a tour bus. Keep it closer and hold it still. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah, the feet are too small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what they say about small feet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Bean, you're going to get some stalkers on the road, but maybe uh, maybe that will add to the fun of the journey. That's all right. Would that be yeah, I got my that? first taste of uh, driving. I've been driving for about five hours and uh, 100 what is it, $135 later. Wow. How far did you get? Uh, five hours. However, I'm not sure. I haven't checked the mileage yet, but the what the reviews I've seen on this one, it gets anywhere from 15 to 18 miles a gallon, which is really good for an RV. Wow. I really mean. I just bought a um, I bought a 2002 Land Rover a couple of weeks ago, and I'm getting 10 miles a gallon on that thing. How is that even possible? Your RV is getting better mileage than my car. That is crazy. Well, the main reason it was so expensive because it's a diesel. Diesels uh, last forever. Where you where are you headed? Where are you at in the world, Bean? Where are you headed? What's the what's the uh, itinerary? Well, I'm headed to Alabama. I bought it in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Because it's the only one I can find like this. Hey, Libby's gonna walk into the bathroom. You know, when you're a big guy like me, a bathroom's really important. <laughs> oh no! Here comes here comes a weekly butterbean bathroom tips. You know so, it's coming. Do we want do we want to see this? That's pretty nice. Looks like you're in a house. Pretty snazzy. I hope man. that's a shower, not the bathroom with glass. I'm not mad at you, Bean. So. Hello. Hey, Libby. Hey, Lib. Well, Bean, we're we're happy for you, man. That's so cool that you're uh, able able to pull this off. I think me and Boss and Sean are just all 
Jealous. Stationary. Jealous. In our homes. I am. Boss, what are you up to, man? What's going on with you? You know, I'm very lucky and I'm going to have to because this week, finally, that my auto trainer is ready. Awesome. So, yeah. So now, finally, uh, I think Friday, hopefully, but Monday, they say we will be able. There's one little thing we've been fixing, but uh, it's looking great. I've been training with it. And as you can see, it's an updated model from what you have there, Rick. You see this? Oh. Let me see. Uh, explain, what it does. Uh, explain what it does, boss. I don't even have it, the new It uh, controls the air intake. Oh, yeah. there it is, the jump. <clears throat> so what it does is it, it, it trains your breathing muscles. Like what people don't know is that you have about 11 pounds of average human being. So you probably have more. I have more. Like Bina's more. Uh, Rick has less. <laughs> and, uh, they have 11 pounds of breathing muscles. And those breathing muscles you cannot work out only with a device like this. So once you... You know, when you get tired, I always say, people, when you're gassing, that is literally oxygenated blood from your limbs, the leave to support your breathing muscles, since those are the number one priority in your body. So if you update those, you'll be able to expand your chest more and faster so you can move more air in and out, and it does wonders for your breathing as well. It's, it's really amazing. When do you actually I mean, use it? like instead of, like, training low altitude, going up to Big Bear, California, like a lot of us did, and trying real high altitude with the air is thin. So you have yeah. to suck more air in. Yeah, okay. So <clears throat> my competition, they say that it works like that. It doesn't. They're freaking lying. It's impossible to do. Now, you, what does happen is, though, you train since you train those muscles, they become more efficient and they need less oxygen. That's how muscles build, right? The more you train them over and over again, they yeah. become more efficient and then they use less oxygen. So once you're high altitude, you'll be able to breathe in faster, in and out more. And you'll be able to pull more air in. So it will help guaranteed, but it doesn't do anything with the red blood cell count. Yeah. So when do you use it, boss? You, I use it once a day. Uh, it takes about four minutes. Uh, you need to do 30 repetitions. It's a certain exercise that you do with it. It all is on the website, and it comes in the manual. And if you do it like that, one exercise, it takes the front breathing muscles, uh, which is your diaphragm, your intercostals, which are the muscles in between your ribs, your outer intercostals. And the exercise number two attacks your back breathing muscles. People go like, well, back breathing muscles. Yeah, that is the biggest one. Because once I started adding that exercise, because you never use those muscles, dude, it, it completely changed my breathing. Like, I normally, I was getting tired doing this. That is completely gone. I can hit the bags hard and out. I come out, it's like, it's really weird because I'm completely controlled right now. It's uh, All right, boss, I'm, I'm excited about getting mine. Yes, and I will say yeah. what's the web address? What's the web address? O2trainer.com. O2trainer.com. Nice. John, yeah. uh, John will put it up on the screen for us. And boss, I think I've told you this. You know, you mentioned I'm smaller, so I have less lungs, but I actually had about 70% of my lungs totally cut out with all the surgeries I had a long time ago. Yeah. And I, I have to say, man, this thing has made a very, very noticeable difference for me. Uh, this is in front of me every day, and uh, I, I rely on it now. So that is a, a huge endorsement for the O2 trainer. And I want to I want to say hi real quick to Angie and Abby who are out there saying hello to us, uh, and to Philip, and uh, and Mike. You're damn right. Four bald men does equal trouble. You're absolutely correct. All right, Sean, take it away. Well, I, I told you I was at the Olympia last weekend. Well, I should say Friday and Saturday, where Big Rami won the title again. He defended it. As a matter of fact, this year's show was a repeat of last year's show, the top three, same order. Big Rami, Brendan Curry, Hadi, Hadi Chupin. So we have Egypt, Tennessee, and Iran. 
I was there with my company, Mutant Supplements, and we launched a brand new campaign for my pre-workout product, which I'm going to send you guys. And right here, here it is. You can see the box. Bam! All in. All in madness, bro. <laughs> this is it. Pre-workout. Good stuff. It's an energy, so energy, but good energy. Yeah, and I we just launched it. It comes with the shaker bottle. So I'll show you the whole tour. Get the shaker bottle from Mutants, and get the towel to wipe your brow. <laughs> You're gonna be working out hard, baby. It's a nice little package. It's all in one, and uh, you guys can give me the feedback when I send it out to you. All show, that, some beautiful. Open, open it up again and show me the picture from yeah. Mutant, that's inside. That was, take, that was taken yesterday. <laughs> you get this great. You yeah, get this. Yeah, no, I am, don't you still look good? Thank you. Get this at <laughs> iammutant.com. Iammutant.com. Brand new. Wow. John, that's uh, that's really nice, man. Thank hey, you. Um, Mr. Wonderful is saying that you were supposed to have fought uh Lee Priest. Is that correct? How well, you know who Lee Priest is, right? I do, of course. Famous bodybuilder, yes. Well, yeah, he's a famous bodybuilder. Um but he's also, he's a guy I competed with for a few years that, that never beat me. So he's looking for, it's kind of like Mitch Green is to Mike Tyson, right? Yeah, right. And uh, every, we all have that one guy with the big mouth that's just trying to goad us into something. And I just kind of feel like he uses my name to get hits, likes, and follows because the more crap he talks about me, the more people are waiting for me to respond. He's, uh, he's five foot nothing. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no pun intended, Rich. Um, but he's, he's this big. He's not a fighter. He's a he's a, a bodybuilder. And if he had fought somebody and and did that, that's one thing. But what he does is he try to get people to follow him, be interested by using my name. I don't buy into it. I don't take the bait. And I'm also not a fighter, okay? So that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Good hey, you, you know, man. there's always someone like that out there that tries to make a name on a bigger name. So. To answer your question out there, my friend, I'm just going to say it, Sean. The guy's being kind of a jerk off. It was trying to build himself on, on somebody else's rep. So yeah. that I think we all know that story for sure. No, yeah, no he's doubt. going on his second decade of trying to do that. I just The more I ignore him, the more he keeps trying to call me out. But, I, you know, everybody has that guy. And, Bo, uh, Bo, Bo Truex is saying, sorry, he's late. And I, I see this guy. I see Bo's comments pop up week after week throughout the entire show. And I don't think we ever acknowledged Bo before. So what, and Butterbean, he's saying he just watched your documentary today. Why don't we all say hey to Bo real quick? Hey Bo. What's up Bo? What's up Bo? Jimmy. <laughs> it looks like it was Jimmy. <laughs> From the door. What you asked for, be careful what you asked for. Guys, bottom of the screen right now, everybody watching, I am mutant.com. That's Sean Ray's website. That's where yep. you get that beautiful package that, uh, that Sean just showed us. It's the one he hasn't sent me yet, but I don't feel too bad. It's all right. It's okay. Um, anyway, move, moving on. Dan Bilzerian was supposed to be with us today. Um, he uh, he wanted us to read his his book first, and I said, "Sure, send us four books." Um, <laughs> he'd be a great guy. To, he'd be a great guy to have on. I just thought it was kind of funny that he wanted us to buy his books first before he came on as a guest. Well, I think we all kind of know something about the guy, right? I mean, he's he's every guy's guy, right? I mean, do I need to read his book? I mean, we've seen what he does. Yeah, I I actually did order it because I thought it might be fun to at least look at the pictures. Sure. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> why? Why not? But, Probably better uh, than the book. It, 
in any case, he does send his apologies. We have um, we have uh, Ken Shamrock, not Ken Shamrock, Mick Foley joining us a week after next, and then uh, we have um, Ken Shamrock after that. You know, and getting a lot of guest requests for Talking Top, and you know, keep uh, keep the ideas coming, everybody. Keep the guests coming. We were talking before we went on air today. And here's the criteria. I'm going to sound really snobby now because I don't fit any of these following boxes, but Boss and Butterbean and Sean Ray do. We're looking for guests that are like really at like the A-list of their profession, like JBL in pro wrestling, that either are legitimate tough guys or have a rep of being a serious tough guy, as all of our guests do, and who have lived through some real shit in their life and don't mind talking about what they did to get into it and how they came out of it. So we have some really good guests like that coming up. More ideas. Keep them coming. We'll do our best to bring incredible people on for you week after week. But in the meantime, we have Sean Ray, Boss Rutten, and Butterbean. So we're doing great. Yeah, I, uh, I sent the message to my boy Chuck Zito. Going to try to get him to come on the show. Chuck would be nice. Yeah, he's good people. Sean, yeah. I, I want to predict what answer Chuck sent to you if he if he did send one. Did you get no, it? I I, right before we came on, I sent him the message. I was hoping he might. I don't know where in the world he is right now. Okay. But when you told me when you told me Dan wasn't going to make it, I fired off the message. So we'll I, I want to bet you a, a free box of Sean Ray Swag. All in. <laughs> he's going to come back and tell you that he has never once logged on to a Zoom call or any kind of streaming event live, yeah. and he never will. Well, yeah, I'll bet you. The older you get, the less digitally savvy you are you're probably right but i'll tell him to go find a 10 year old and log him on i would yeah. love to have uh, chuck on you know boston bean you've met rusty Kunst before um sean you may know rusty he's the head of the hell's angels and monster monster guy i mean physical monster did his hard time truly one of like the coolest guys you could ever meet maybe we should bring rusty on i don't know what do you think boss I would love to have him on because he's uh, completely turned around as well, right? We we, we talked to him before, and uh, I love stories like that. These are you can see the super badass guys who did a lot of crazy stuff. stuff in the past. Yeah, 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 and uh, and 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 he owns it. You know, that's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah. So, Bo True, we're probably not going to talk too much about anabolics this week, but we appreciate all the questions, man. Keep them coming, please. I don't know what that is, Turkestone. What the hell is that? I've never heard it before. It's the um, cartoon awesome. version of the Flintstones in Turkey. Yeah, I've never heard of it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that is. Uh, Bean, Mike N says you're his hero. He's from Minnesota. No, you was. You was my hero. Was your hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is that is great. I like matches. Um, I tell you, little bastard. I don't know stuff. Must be afraid. Ah, that's nice messages. Thanks, Ed. Wilson. Yeah, that's cool, Ed Wilson. Thank you. Very hey nice. guys, did you hear that uh, William Shatner, uh, Captain Kirk, his uh, Blue yep. Origin, the company, is going into space? So he went to space this yep. time for real, not on a TV show. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think okay, it's the that's why it was they go up and back down. Straight up and straight back down. In and straight out. Up. Yeah, but I, I would love to do that one time, you know, to see the earth. I mean, how cool would that be? No doubt. Would be. Well, guys, once we get to a billion listeners, maybe we can do um, a podcast from space. <laughs> set it up. Why don't you set it up? 
Well, what, where I where I kind of felt like I was disengaged was the technology, right? You think of going to space, you think of making an orbit at least once around the Earth. You think maybe they're going to stay up there more than five minutes. Not only that, that booster came down unmanned and land. You know, normally they shoot those boosters and they go different places. This one came back and landed the way it took off. That's just the booster. Wow. And then that, the, uh, the capsule normally would land in sea. This thing yeah. came down and landed on the ground. And I thought, what was the impact? I think I saw somewhere around 17, 18 miles an hour when it hit the ground. That's fast you, when you hit the ground. You're 90 years old and you're strapped in. I mean, that cushion, I just thought, what was that impact like, you know? Yeah. It's pretty wild. I don't understand the definition of what space is either, because you would think they yeah. do a lot more than they're doing. But yeah, it's cool just it's cool just to go. But they're not really going into space, right? They they they're not breaking through, right? I don't know the definition. I, I think yeah. there's some dividing line. But I don't really know. Exactly. Put it this way: two thousand miles an hour. I saw a clock up to two thousand miles an hour. I'm like, holy! Are their eyes even open at that point? Like, you know what I mean? Mine's closed. <laughs> Hey guys, guess guess what else Captain Kirk did this week? What did he do? He joined Cameo. I get to push it every week. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> Sean Ray and Butterbean all on Cameo to give you personalized greetings. Go check them out there. I love mentioning that stuff because that's my day job. You know, I have to talk about it every now and then. No, he's a stud. I was talking to somebody about Cameo, and then I I, I give the example of Mick Foley, and I I saw that he has. 4,000 reviews. So he probably yep. did like 6,000 yep. of cameos. I go, dude, wow. that is crazy. Popular. So yeah. I, bet half, I bet half of them are like this. Some of the guys, like our you know, friends yeah. of ours, like Mick Foley, Bruce Buffer is a great example. Yeah. They've made this like their second career. Um, you know, for a lot of people, it's supplemental money. It's more, it's a way to engage with your fans and say hello yeah. and really deep in a, a fan connection. But guys like Bruce Buffer and Mick Foley, they've just, they've mastered it. And, I see uh, them too. There's a, a lot of people are on there. I'm sorry, Sean? I talked to a bunch of wrestlers this weekend, and one of them I talked into joining Cameo probably two months ago, and he thanked me because he's keeping busy on it. Um, you, you know the Rock and Roll Express, his son wrestled. Yep. Yep. He's a big up-and-comer. I told him to join Cameo, and I told him to join under his dad. Because the fans cool. are joining Cameo, so it's Cameo is awesome. It's growing every day, so y'all just at least check it out. You'll you'll find somebody you like. You got to. Yep. Yeah, it's no no joke. And being a, it's funny you said he thanked you. We have I can't tell you how many musicians, like classic name musicians, that who don't release albums anymore, but they make their living touring. Right. We've got hundreds of musicians, like people you would have heard of thanking Cameo for like saving their houses because they were able to talk to their fans during this past year and a half and they couldn't go on the road. So yeah, kind of like a GoFundMe, but not really. It's more personal. Yes, exactly that. Exactly that. But guys, um, I'm a little slow today. I apologize. I, I quit. Um, I quit Red Bull and Afrin and Kratom all over this weekend. And that oh, was a that was an evil Why? trio of stuff, man. It's bad. <laughs> what, what did you, how much Kratom are you taking? Um, I would say a, maybe a third of an ounce a day. I don't know what that is, guys. What is it? Give me some education. Two spoon, tablespoon. 
uh, in tablespoons, probably about eight tablespoons a day. Oh, wow. That's what a lot. Does it do? What does it do? It, it's a drug, it, man. It's, it's a, a natural uh, opioid uh, shot. Uh, so it's, uh, it, it's from a couple of trees. It comes from Are a couple of trees. Eight, 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 eight teaspoons. Eight teaspoons. Okay, that's I, a lot. I, I take teaspoons. a tablespoon and a half. And today, I have not had one pain. I, you know, I have to take pain pills still because of my back. Yep. I have not took one pain pill all day. Yep. Good. Good. Yeah. So what did you take for, Rick? Why are you so, using it? Well, I, I mean, there are two reasons, Sean. I'll be real. I'll be really honest with you. And but first, I'll give you the convenient answer. You know, I, I live in pain, and I will for the rest of my life, I think, unless I can find a way around it. You know, my my last major illness have been out of just four years now, and I was all but done. Um, so that's residual. And I'm going to be 60, so it's maybe set in for life. One was pain. But here's the honest part of it, man. It's like boss will tell you and Butterbean will tell you with the pain pills. The, the time comes where you take it because you need to take it to get up and get on the phone, to, um, to engage with other people, to wake up in the morning and be nice to your dogs. That's called an addiction. That's feeding a habit. So I would be absolutely lying to you if I said I took it only for pain. Right. I took it more and more and more because, like those freaking narcotics, a kratom is a natural plant from Thailand, Sean, and they turn it into a powder or a capsule, mm -hmm. and it was like really lauded to be this, you know, and these uh, cure for pain pill addiction. Well, it's just replacing one addiction with another, and you know. Right, I'll tell you, the other sponsor, Rick. What's that, Bean? Sorry. I gotta become a sponsor. Well, you know, I, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna go lose us another sponsor right now. Cause here you go. All right. I have friends, and if they're watching this, because they're people you guys would know, they're gonna be pissed if they hear me say this. I have friends who sell kratom, and they know what it is and they know what it does, but they're still gonna push it as like the greatest cure-all of all time. Now, I probably wouldn't have called them out except for what's happening now. Now the news thing are psychedelics. It's like yeah. microdosing with magic mushrooms. So yeah. now they've switched from Kratom to, to these psychedelics. Said, oh, yeah, turns out Kratom was bad after all. But this is now the great thing. So yeah. I want to say, you guys, quit, quit pushing fucking drugs. Tell the truth. Stop it. Sorry. I'm off my yeah, high horse for the day. I feel but, like about the Kratom, Rick. I, I feel normal. I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm on anything. I just I don't. I mean, it gives me energy, but it's not like a crazy boost. Okay. I take a half a teaspoon in the morning. You know, I think I do just very light. And it, it just, I wake up with a cup of coffee. That's it, you know. And then later on, I take a half here, half there. But I don't go over like three teaspoons a day. For sure, I'm not. I'm probably like two and a half or two. That's I'm, it. I'm, that's I'm, great. I'm a tablespoon and a half. Yeah. But, guys, that, that's great. Being you weigh literally three times more than I do. And I was taking six Probably times. Probably five times, Rick. Come on, be real. And I was taking six times more than you take. So we see where the problem is here. But right? but um, but Rick, you you did you oh, one weekend and you stopped, right? So I it is. It. Yeah. But that's what I mean. It's it's not like it's freaking uh, uh, pain pills that be regular pain pills. You're going to be in a lot of freaking uh, uh, stress. I have all the symptoms of uh, opioid withdrawal for sure right now. It's, oh, for real? Oh yeah, for hey, real. Hey, yeah. Bob. We just had somebody ask, what was the toughest fight you had that you won? For me? Yep. 
The toughest fight that I would. Um, I would say, I mean, uh, this guy right here, Kevin Randall, but also the my, my rematch against Funaki Mazakatsu. That was a guy I lost to in my third match, put me in a toehold, and then I had a rematch against him, but now I knew what to do on the ground. And that guy was so tough. I mean, I, I, I knocked him down four times, and every time somehow the whole audience started chanting, he got back up again, and then the final knee was, literally my palms were black and blue after the fight, and my knees were bruised. And then the last one, I grabbed him by the hair, and I kneed him in the face as hard as I could, and that was it. He stayed down. But that was, I was getting tired, let me tell you. So that was a, that, that was a tough one. Mine would, mine would probably be Cabbage. Cabbage is a tough guy, Cabbage right? Cabbage is a tough dude. I mean, he's tough. <laughs> yeah. Did you put him away or not? Well, I, I finished him off. He, the body shots, you can hit him in the head all day. Body shots about all that hurt him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That will work. Bean, you know, guys, I, I have cornered for – Bean, you know how many times I've cornered for you? Probably 10, I'll bet, and all over the world. And Bean won almost – he won almost every fight that I got to see him fight. And you had some interesting opponents, man. Um, James Thompson, you know James, right, Bob? Yeah, um, I know. John, it's a guy they call the Colossus out of England. And he was like, the you know, the, the, the toughest guy on the streets of London – Super bouncer, maniac, monster guy. And that was in England in front of his home crowd. And being you knocked him out in, and James comes out like a house of fire every time. And you knocked him out in about cool. 12 seconds, I think, something like that. Um, but, yeah. you know, here was a tough fight Butterbean had, and he probably won't want me to talk about it because I've seen him destroy like world class guys in no time. Well, we get a call to put together a fight in Hawaii, and they want Bean. They, they, they call me at the last minute to bring somebody big out that's, like, theatrical. So I booked my friend, Aaron Aguilera, otherwise known as a hardcore kid, um, pro wrestler, never fought before. And he's 6'6", good build, great look. So he's what T.J. Thompson, the promoter, wanted. And I, I don't know how it happened, Bean. He got you into the second round. I still, to this day, am blown away. I don't know how that happened. I was hoping you weren't going to kill him. He's my friend. But hey, have either, one of, have either one of you guys, uh, boss and me, have either one of you been knocked out? I've seen you tap before on a leg thing with, I think it was Shamrock, boss. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't, I haven't, I don't know. I didn't see all your fights. Have you ever been knocked the fuck out, like done? No, no, I've never been knocked out. Never, never. I've been, I've had my bell rung, but never been knocked out. Yeah. I, was, I was curious to, to know, like, what the other side feels like, right? Some people, like, is it just go black, right? Yeah, that's what they say, you know. They say you you don't feel it. You're just out and you wake up. But thankfully, I never had that. I made some crazy falls from buildings and stuff. I've been hit with a baseball bat. I've been hit with a Coca-Cola bottle, a big one. Nunchucks. Yeah. No. Somehow, I never got out. So, that was good. Yeah. Wow. I have knocked out a person, knocked out an opponent <laughs> before. And then I seen them later that night. And they looked at me dead square and go, you can't. I'm going to get you when we get in the ring because they thought the fight hadn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, I, I yeah. love when guys get up and they try to go after the referee. Like, they don't know, like, the fight's over oh. going after the referee. So we, uh, we're we fighting in Japan, and a friend of mine is fighting. I already fought, and he's now fighting. And this guy is on all fours with his hands on the ground. So my friend is standing in front of him, wants to kick him in the face. I said, no, 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 wait, wait. So I'm in the corner. I say, wait. If his hands leave the floor like this much, you can yeah. kick him in the face, right? Wow, so he's crazy. waiting and waiting and waiting, and suddenly the guy opens up and he 
bah, for the kid, and the guy flies backwards and he's completely out and the fight's over. So the whole evening goes, we go to the bus uh, to, to pick us up. I mean, now we're talking, this is an hour and a half, two hours later. We yeah. go to the bus and I forgot something in the dressing room and I run back and this guy who got knocked out was standing in his shorts, he's waiting. And I go, what, what are you doing? He says, I'm waiting for my fight. He thought he still had to fight. I go, walk with me, let's go find somebody for you. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I can see that happening. So, plus, never, never in practice or training, never flash knocked out, being never no. flash knocked out, neither one. No. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've, Sean, I've been knocked out before, and it's exactly what they describe. I mean, you wake up, you don't know what happened, you don't feel anything. You might feel it later, um, but it's not painful when it happens or in the immediate aftermath, for sure. I did. I've been clocked a bunch of times, and it's exactly what you're describing. Um, but I kept, man, neither one of you guys had practiced even. No, you know, there was a thing in Thai boxing in Holland. They say, but if you watch the fight, you see it's not true. They say, oh, you got dropped. And I say, I wasn't. I'm, I'm literally on the ground, and I, my, my, my leg is numb. And I'm talking to my corner. I said, dude, my leg is not working. It's just, I'm just talking. And I go, like, that's not. But people say, oh, you got dropped there. I said, oh, look at the fight. You see me talking to the, to the corner. Yeah. Crazy. Well, I had an opportunity to watch uh, Stephanie McMahon get inducted into the Hall of Fame, Sports Hall of Fame at the Olympia, along with one of my idols, Marcus Allen, who played running back for USC, won the Heisman, got the uh, Comeback Player of the Year when he played for Kansas City and Hall of Fame uh, football player. They were they were recognized at the Olympia weekend. I'm wondering, why did they induct Stephanie McMahon? Did she wrestle at some point in her career under her father's banner? Well, yeah. Yeah. So I know she's married to Triple H. Yeah, you know, like, you know, Sean, any promoter in wrestling long enough is ultimately going to work themselves into the storyline and it'll yeah. end up being a character, at least on, you know, a handful of occasions. You know, I, I had five matches in my short career as a wrestler because I owned a company. Stephanie actually main evented WrestleMania just a few years ago. It was her and Hunter, Triple H, her All husband. Right. Against um, the Rock, not the Rock, Kurt Angle, and uh, and Ronda Rousey, and when, you know when you're like Stephanie, you're not a pro wrestler. We talked a little bit about this last week on, on the show about how a match works. You can't go out and improvise as the pros do. You have to like spot every single thing out, and you know every all eyes were on Stephanie that night because she's not particularly coordinated for one thing. Um, you know she's not a pro wrestler, right. and dude, she freaking nailed everything um that match was the best match of wrestlemania night which blew people's minds that stephanie mcmahon would be in the best match of wrestlemania it was pretty incredible yeah i gotta go back on youtube and check that out i remember trying to train down here at gold's gym in in, uh, in venice uh, i think she had a sister also um started out i think competing actually in bodybuilding shows before she was wrestling you know back in the day Badass. Who, who was that, Sean? I'm China. I'm talking about China. She oh, was, yeah. I worked with her I, uh, at the uh, Japanese, Japan Pro Wesley. She was a riot, man. She's yeah. so funny. Yeah, I had a good time. I remember we were going through a match, and she had to lift up the, the referee. The referee go, looks at her like, can you do it? And she grabbed him by the throat and by the, by the crotch, <laughs> and she just lifted him up right straight up right there. The guy was, like, freaking out. <laughs> She's also shy, though. I mean, she's very shy, and I mean, but once you got to know you, she opened up to you. Oh, 
I mean, she's in the elevator. We're at the Tokyo Dome Hotel. And there's outside the elevators, they're open glass. And she's going up. And whilst we're going up, these people are downstairs. They're chowning China. And she, she lifts up her <laughs> shirt with her breast. Everybody goes, hey! Yeah. yeah. I hate to do this, but I got to hit the road. Yeah, man. Oh, oh, don't worry about pumps over here, and I got it. Buttermin, where are you going? Are you like driving to New York, or where are you headed? I'm headed home to Alabama. Okay. And I'm gonna turn around, get the camper ready, and we're headed up to, to Tennessee, up the Smoky Mountains. Nice. nice. There's a place that, that booked me. It's a Great Smoky Mountains flea market. I'm gonna set up. I got a booth set up there. Um, I'll be there this this weekend. You're driving your motor home. <clears throat> yep. You got a little bird in the sleeper right now. So now, now, Bean, as you start driving, you're gonna so you lose your Wi-Fi right. Oh, you're actually driving. Is that right? Yeah, I'm driving, driving. Oh, so yeah, you can't talk and drive. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you know, I'm just confused. I mean, it's it's like I was driving down the road and this kind of intimidated me a little bit. I look across, I'm looking at an 18 wheeler, I'm looking at him dead in the eyes. Holy crap! Yeah, you're elevated. It's a big rig. It's not. It's it's short, but it's it's tall. It's really big. Right. Well, brother, drive safe. We're gonna catch you next week. Hey, thanks, guys. Have fun, Good, brother. Thanks for uh, going out of your way to be on tonight, man. We can always rely on Butterbean. We know that. Exactly. Hey, listen. I just saw a, a, a question from Chuck, and he asked if we had any regrets during our fighting career. Uh, I know Chuck. There he is. And hey, listen, Chuck, look at there, look at his age, and he, he competed in boxing he, like uh, two years ago. Uh, he said, I just want to do a match, and he won his freaking match. He just wanted wow. to try it out one time, and Chuck is older than I am, so that's a mm -hmm. great little accomplishment. So maybe oh, we should ask you, him, but is there any, any things that you uh, regret, Sean? As a bodybuilder, no. I was very methodical and very aware that the only reason – my career would come to an end would be an injury. So if you looked at my training style uh, and the guys I came up behind, my training style was nothing similar to Dorian Yates or Ronnie Coleman or Marcus Rule or Paul Dillette. I was more finesse, much like um, a technician, kind of like an artist like Bob Paris. There were certain physiques I liked and I didn't watch these guys train, but I imagine they trained very similar because of the end result, the product, looked like a lot of high reps, a lot of refinement, a lot of dieting. Whereas you look at Ronnie Coleman and some of the bigger guys, you know they're they're at the deep end of the of the weight rack, right? Throwing around all kinds of weights and there's no real form. And that always kind of scared me because that bad form is opening yourself up to injury. And I'm just gonna rattle this off. I didn't pre-think this, but here's career ending injuries. Um, Rich Gaspari Torres Peck. Uh, John Brown, my mentor, who started me bodybuilding, Torres Peck, the career was over. Uh, Kevin LeBron, Torres Peck, thank God he came back. But, of course, Torrey Gates, before he was done, Torres Bicep, Torres Tricep, and Ronnie Coleman basically tore his body apart. These guys were all training a little bit more recklessly to what I trained. I trained more like an artist. I trained within the confines of what I could handle. I wasn't out there trying to squat six, 700 pounds just to see if I can do it. Like I was using it as a technician, and it served me well. I didn't know I was saving my body for later that it would be in such, you know, good mechanical working. I don't have the aches and pains. I don't know what the painkillers are all about. And I don't wake up with bad shoulders, knees, hips, but I've witnessed it and I've seen it. Hip injuries, knee replacements, torn muscles. 
I think it has a lot to do with the style of training and my physique. When you look at it, doesn't it looks like it might have been built with some some work and some time, but you wouldn't think big and strong. I don't think. Yeah. And, and uh, did, did you ever hear about this? Uh, you, I I remember the GHB, right? It was used a lot also in the. Uh, but do you, did you hear a lot about this? Because I hear it from fighters, they tear muscles because of the using of GHB because it, because it dehydrates you. Did you ever hear of that in bodybuilding? Yeah, it was very popular in the '90s in Gold's Gym. I, I I had left Gold's Gym to come back to Orange County, but I had some guys that fell victim to it, and it, I don't know why you would take something to mask feeling the weight. Yeah. My whole training was about feeling mind and muscle, right? Like Frank Zane and like LeBron and these guys. If I can't feel my muscle, the last thing I want to do is just be training an injury. But these yep. guys, if you're doing GHB, they're probably doing other things. By smoking weed and doing some, some other stuff that I'm just not into. Insulin, growth hormone. I mean, one drug begets another drug. Um, yep. and you're no longer really bodybuilding. You're just taking drugs. And it happens to the best of them. You'd be surprised because a lot of them move out from where they're home. They don't have the, uh, the checks and balances of a good friend. They get thrown into this big industry of bodybuilding and they're a celebrity. I'll use Paul DeMeo, the late Paul DeMeo as an example, came from Massachusetts. Some of the biggest legs this side of Tom Platts. He wound up dying of a heroin overdose, but he was messing around with GHB and some other stuff, but it was heroin that ultimately killed him, Quadzilla. And uh, this was a guy that had the world by the tail. I, I've done some photo shoots with the guy. Um, so you can wind up doing things that are detrimental to what it is you actually started out trying to do. And if you ever watched the movie The Rose with Bette Midler, that kind of put Bette Midler on the map, um, you can see that a little here and a little there winds up to a little bit more and a little bit more. And the next thing you know, you're freaking OD, you know, and you're done. Yeah. You don't know what that line is until you cross it. Bodybuilding is no different. Wow, man. Yeah. Boss, there was a question. Sean, thank you. Um, question asked, and I, I would love to hear your answer to, and it's Boss. If you could go back in time, and fight any fighter on this planet, present or past, with you in your prime and they in their prime, who would it be and how would that fight have gone? Yeah, listen, I would, I, you know, as, as, as when I was training, like I said last week, I, I was training, um, I had one sparring partner for like 90% of my fights. That's it. And it was a person who never even tapped me once. So it was very hard for me. So, and you're only good as your competition, as, your, as your, your training partner. So, if I get thrown back now suddenly, and I'm I go to a Greg Jackson place, and you get John Jones and all these guys that to train with, you know, you're going to be even better. So, with that in said, I would maybe at 185 because I was always a very light heavyweight. I was 197 at the weigh-ins, and I didn't even try that uh, for my heavyweight fight. I literally had to drink waters to to go over 200 pounds. So, but like in Israel Adesanya, like in uh, Anderson Silva, and, you know, because those guys, I would just love to see what I can do with striking against them. You know, yeah. and of course, I always think that I will win, but I mean, I know I'm going to be very freaking, that these are really good guys. Yeah. So I might not win at all, but I was just, you know, for me, it's always been checking. I never put the pressure on me like I have to win, I have to win. I just fought for myself. And because I did that, it, it sounds like egomaniac, but it's absolutely the opposite. Because if once you start fighting for your family members, if you know, for, for the audience, that means you're caring about others. And once you do that, you put too much pressure on yourself. If you yeah. just want to fight because you want to fight and don't care about winning or losing, which I didn't mind. I sure I would like to win, but I never was down when I lost a fight. You see, so I didn't put that pressure on me. And once you go into a fight like that, 
it doesn't really matter. I remember a time, I, I, I might have said this on the show, that somebody told me, oh, man, Bosh, you won like 12 fights in a row now. And I look at him, I go like, oh, shit. He goes, what? I, go, I wish you wouldn't have said that because I, I was afraid it was going to get inside my head because now I want to win again and I won again. But thankfully, I just threw it away and I never thought about it. And I think if you fight like that, yeah, I can, the, the, you, you can fight the stars, you know. And, and guys like this that I just mentioned are just freaking incredible strikes. I would love to see what I could do against them. Yeah, styles make fights too, yeah. 100%. And it will be and, and Vanderlei uh, Silva. I almost fought him in Pride Fighting Championships, you know, and uh, and it didn't happen unfortunately. But that was when they did the K1 and Pride together at a big show, ninety-one and a half thousand people. And I said, listen, since we, I didn't train for two years, I said you're asking me to fight him. This is in six weeks. I said, listen, I'm in shape, but let's do this. I didn't do any ground for like two years straight. So since it's a K1 and, and, a, and, and a pride combination, why don't we do kickboxing with MMA gloves? I mean, that's what the people want to see anyway, right? They want to see a strike. They just want to see us go to the ground. So they brought it to him and they, uh, they declined it and they went with another fighter. And people go, oh, he's, he's not afraid of anybody, dude. This is Vanderlei Silva. It's just, it just was a smarter way for them to fight. So it was just his management. Trust me, this guy, yeah, he's not afraid of anybody. So that was well. that. Is Sean? His nickname is the Axe Murderer. So if that oh no, I know Vanderlei Silva. I know who he is. But what about what are your what are your thoughts, boss, on bare knuckle fighting? Because that doesn't really appeal to me. But what what are your thoughts and how different is it? For me, I thought this was going to be the next big thing, and I, I was really hoping it would because I believe it or not, CTE wise, it's more healthy for you because you don't go. You cannot hit somebody really in the heart. Unfortunately, we were talking about it last week. Somebody died now. But then again, yeah. you look at the record, 18 losses, 5 wins, 11 knockouts. Somebody needed to step in there and say, hey, listen, man, this is yeah. not for you. If you get knocked out 11 times, that's a lot. you know. So I, I thought that bare knuckle boxing, yes, superficial, you get more cuts. But CTE-wise, it, it should be healthy for you. People go more for the body. But, yeah, you see guys coming straight from MMA now or from boxing into bare knuckle boxing. They will as hard as they can on the head. Now, they're going to... You know, once they break their hands, they're going to watch out with that. But that's the only problem we're facing right now. They go a little bit too hard, and that could be very dangerous. But, you know, as, as we all know, that glove is invented to protect the hand. If you have a protection around your hand, that means you can hit as hard as you want. With a bare knuckle, you can't do it. So when he hits me and I do this, just this, and he hits the top of my head, he's going to break his hand. You know, which, so which is why, Sean, statistically, there's so many more serious injuries and deaths in boxing you know, when, when mixed martial arts came out, people were saying, how barbaric, there's no rules, people are going to die. Well, you know, people, it's going to sound dumb, people died in soccer. It's a contact sport, so it is going to happen like it did in bare knuckle recently. But if you look at boxing compared to mixed martial arts, it's multiple amounts of deaths and serious injuries in boxing because of the big gloves. If, you know, the brittlest bones in your body are right here. The hardest yeah. ones are right here. You know, if you do that with a boxing glove, you can do it a thousand times, you're going to rattle the brain. You can't do that more than a couple of times with bare knuckles. You're going to bust your hands up. So it's actually... By the way, oh, no, I'm just saying, we can't get Dave LeDuc on. I'm pretty sure he will come on our show. You know, he's the left wing boxer. This is this is Thai boxing with headbutts and bare knuckle. Oh. And those guys, I don't I don't think you see guys there with CTE walking around in Myanmar, uh, Myanmar where it comes from, Burma. Burmese yeah. boxing, they call it also. I oh, mean, yeah, yeah. because they know they cannot go full power, although elbows to the head, full power, and headbutts allowed as well. But that, that could be a very interesting guess for us. 
Is that on TV? Are you able to watch that style of fighting on television somewhere, or you got to go to YouTube? Yeah, you got to go to YouTube for now, you know. And he's he's really good with that. Like I had him in my gym, and uh, he wanted to try work out with me, and I was holding focus mats, and I I never felt that kind of power on with his elbows. His elbows were like extremely hard. I really had to put all my body weight in there. And I saw what he did. He stepped in really deep. But then still, because he's closing the distance, you would think he cannot generate it. But it was like, what the heck, dude? That was a whole different level of power. So you get hit like that or headbutt. And he does these crazy things. They hit you. And then when your head is here on the side, they go boof with the head just to the side. And it's just to put him out of the way and then come up with a hook on top. It's all combined in there. It's uh, it's pretty amazing when you see a guy like that fight. Big and knuckles. Boss, giant who? knuckles. What's his name? I'm sorry. Dave LeDuc. Okay. All right. yeah, he did the prison right. fights in Thailand. You remember, but they did those fights where these guys were for life in prison, and they could fight themselves out. I think Marvin Hagler did that too. I think Marvin Hagler used to fight in prison back in the day. I saw that documentary. Raw weight. He was at a raw weight. He was fighting on that show. Right? That prisoner did a lot. We had Tyson Fury and Wilder, which some people were saying is like the greatest fight you know in recent years because they both knocked each other down. And of course, Tyson won the fight. But uh, what did you guys think about that one? Tyson Fury, boxer. These guys are six nine and six seven in heavyweight boxing. Wow. Tyson Fury, man. It was a trilogy. Really good fight all the way through, man. Competitive. Uh, Unbelievable. If it gone to the judges, that would have been a tough call. I yeah. mean, serious hats off to both those guys. Both total yeah. pros that night. I don't think we'll see a. Uh, I don't think we'll see a number four. I just. I think Tyson has. Has a few uh, has a Wilder's number. He can't beat him. What yeah, a guy! Right? What, do for. It doesn't what a story, too, right? Yeah, unbelievable. I still need to watch that documentary. They told me you have to watch the documentary. It's an amazing documentary about uh, Tyson Fury, uh, the lead up to the fight. Oh, right, right, yeah. This, uh, oh, yeah, lead up to this past fight. Okay. Yeah. I really would like to see. And by the way, somebody just asked me here. He says, what was that TV show that I had in where I show people how to beat people, bat people up? That was called Punk Payback. And if you go to YouTube, Punk Payback, you can find it there. I thought it was hilarious, the show. Unfortunately, it didn't go to the second season. But, dude, we had a lot of fun to make that. Was that anything like uh, like Bully Beatdown or some uh, different uh, no. format? So what happened was this. They would show, for instance, somebody got robbed at the gas station. Somebody comes in with a weapon or with a knife or an axe or sometimes the, the weirdest weapons, a big tree. I mean, and then they would go, uh, they robbed the place. And then they put me in the same, we built the same set and they put me in the spot of the guy. What could you have done? You know, and then I would, you know, ad lip and I would start just beating the crap out of these people. But do it with a smile, you know, while you're punching, while you're looking at the camera. I say, hey, if he's a bad guy, you can hit him a few more times, you know, and then keep going. <laughs> So it was a real fun light show, but the techniques we used was they were real though. I love that idea. I doubt now I've got to watch this. It sounds like a, a binge watch coming up this weekend, perhaps. Yeah, you 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 like it. Punk payback. Check it out. I, I don't watch that. that. And then I'm gonna go watch the new James Bond movie in the theater, actually. Oh man, he's gotta be good. What that's Raimi, uh, the actor who played uh, Eddie Murphy. He's yeah. the bad guy. Man, great acting. Hey, I wanted to um, I wanted to share this with you guys. Somebody just sent me two photos from what you were talking about before. I have not seen this before. Can, can you see that, boss and Sean? Uh, put it a little bit more to the yeah there. Yeah, China. Oh wow! There you go. 
But here we go. That's even better. You got to okay, keep this in mind. What we just saw. The next one's even better. To the left. Oh, okay. Yeah, she was <laughs> What is she? Six foot tall. She was six foot at least. She's a big girl. Hundred plus. Yeah, and, uh, and, and she was a big like lady. I'm looking for this picture. Watch this picture. So she walked in. We were at the SP Awards at the after party. She walks in. I tell my wife, okay, go with me. I got to make a picture with her. Uh, you probably know her. Well, that's, that's Isis. That's Lindsay Snow. Isis. Yes. That's yeah. still too bright. So pull it back a little bit. Yeah, maybe closer. Oh, so let me turn this light off. Maybe this will help. Yeah. Like, you almost had it. <laughs> almost. Yeah. Boss, I'm, I'm now looking for mine because I have one. There. Oh. Um, her name is uh, Lindsay Snow. That's ISIS, pro wrestler ISIS, Lindsay. Uh, totally. she, is she a wrestler, boss? Uh, she was a pro wrestler, yeah. A big, uh, giant lady. And uh, it was really cool. My, my head was literally, she she grabbed my head and put it in between her breasts. Like this. Oh. And, and so that's how, how small I was. She nice. just did that. Nice place <laughs> yeah. to be, right? Not a bad place to be. Um, my wife looked at me and said, hey, she's doing it. She's forcing me. <laughs> yeah, boss, that's um, that's Lindsay Snow. She goes by ISIS. And, uh, Lindsay Snow. We're pulling up photos. Six, six foot nine. She's six nine, legit. As you what? Know, Are you kidding three. me? Holy crap. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. I've got, now I'm looking. I have one somewhere with her. And I my, my eye is at her breast level. It's just right exactly where it is. Yes. I want you guys to pull up your favorite picture on your iPhones right now. Oh God! All right, that's a tough one, man. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you mine because uh, I came up. I think Boss, you and I are pretty close to the same age, correct? Yes. Um, Sean, we're all close to the same age, man. Come on. Well, you're the you're the senior. You're the elder statesman here. I am. I am. That's elder statesman. That's me. Holy crap, boss. You look like a GQ model. I, that, I was mo a model for a, a quite a <laughs> while. <laughs> what the hell? Good, you with the hair. What the hell? Wow, that's impressive. Sean, what do you got? Share one with us and give us a story behind it, man. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. I've got so many. I well, I, I came up in bodybuilding um, right next to this guy, okay? So when I was in Hawaii, which is where I have the Sean Ray Classic, look up, Rick. When I was in Hawaii, Sean Ray, he was there doing his one-man stand-up, right? So having an opportunity with the DJ before Mike comes on, who's my MC of my show, he got me in to watch this one-man stand-up. And this is where Mike was touring around. It's basically a biography of him telling his life story. With yeah, I went there. Yeah, with his wife in his ear. And he's telling us about all these challenges. He's taking me right back. He's like, oh, I think he's right around the same age as us. Yeah. And I remember as he's telling these stories as they're hitting the news and the headlines, right? It's like it was yesterday and I'm surprised at his memory. Like he has a very good memory about how all this shit, you know, he's got a tiger. He's like, what, 20-year-old walking around with a tiger, running the car into the tree and, you know, Don King giving him a suitcase full of money and, and being ripped off for millions and going to jail. He told the whole thing. And for me, because I read Mike, I watched Mike, I studied Mike, I was Mike in the gym with my training partners, you know, workout partners. I was Mike Tyson. And uh, to hear him on the other side, after all the shit we know we went through, being clear-headed, being present, and recalling all that. I mean, he wasn't a comedian, but he was funny as hell. I was super impressed. 
the, the, the part that you laugh at the most is the realest shit. The realest stuff is what we crack up at. And that's how a good comedian is because we can all relate to these stories. But some of the things he's saying, like, we would never, like, we would never, what was that movie he was in? Uh, they made three of them. Hangover. Huh? Hangover. Right. So that was like his life. Like, he lived all that crap, you know? Dude, he, I was so impressed with him, and I, I, I've been fortunate to watch him train and to meet him a bunch of times, and uh, there's there's a lot more to Mike than people think. I mean, okay. he's a very smart guy. Like, he really is. And and I, when I saw the show, I believe it was his first time he did. It was the opening, the first one. We saw it in Los Angeles, and I was blown away. I go, yeah. wow, he did that really well. Very impressive, considering you think, like, you know, a boxer taking some blows to the head. Listen, his last fights were like Ali's fights. They weren't very impressive. Um, and you know he, he's got his hot boxing. He smokes a lot of weed, so you, you think he's not going to be able to pull these stories out. But he was yeah. he was money man, and that was one of my bigger influences. That that story when he uh, when he talks about the other boxer, he says Mike Tyson is a faggot. Mike Tyson is a faggot. That whole thing, that deal, you know. And then he said, I saw a Bruce Lee movie, and he kicked him with a spinning back kick in the face, and he went down. But the guy was like on PCP. He says. He would stand up again, and he knocked him down again. Boom! And then constantly he's telling you he got back up again. Yeah, hilarious. Hilarious. Sean, we need to uh, we need to reach out to Mike Tyson. He's right here up here, Newport uh, Newport Coast. That's a good now. Six degrees of separation, trying to get a hold of the guy. So not that far off. And the irony of it was. I was 21 years old doing the NPC Nationals in Atlantic City, a show that would launch me into professional status. I, I'm on the boardwalk in Atlantic City for the first time in my life, walking the day after my show. I won the title. I went into a Mrs. Fields cookie place. I grabbed some cookies, came out, and Mike was walking in. Mike fights right there where I competed at the Atlantic City Convention Center. He was fighting Tyrell Biggs, I think, like the following week. And just brushing past him as he went in, the last thing I was going to do was try to get it between the entourage. But it set my mind into like Mike Tyson mode for the rest of my training career. I was a bodybuilder, but in the gym, I was Mike, man. I mean, he was so influential on my career. He's right here in Newport Beach. I mean, I'm sure I could probably try to make some way We've got to find him. I, I want to tell you my quick a story with Mike Tyson. I'm actually, my fight record against Mike Tyson is 2-0. and and if you want to know what that means, yeah, yeah right. I was at a hard rock in Vegas with my wife at the time, Gabrielle, and we um, pulled up to the hard rock and she was dressed to the nine. She looked beautiful that night, as you would on a Saturday night in Vegas, go doing everything you can. The, you know, the hard rock, there's two sets of doors to get into the lobby. So yeah. We go to the first set. We're about to get to the second set and the door opens and it's Mike Tyson coming out. So. He holds the door wide open for us. Gabrielle walks past. As she walks past, he turns around and does the, <laughs> the, the eyes straight on the butt. And he turns yeah. around and, sees, he's, and he sees me. We make eye contact. So I punch him in the stomach. Um, not, not for yeah. real. And not that if I did for real, he would do anything. <laughs> but um, so he, he laughed. And that yeah. was it. That was one and oh. And then um, about a year later, we were at the W Hotel in uh, Phoenix. And with uh, Sylvester Turkai, true giant amongst men, and Stefan Gamlin, who almost beat Bob Sapp, the, the new American Bob Sapp. Monsters, guys, 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, they're about horseshoe. 
Seven or eight of us out, every guy was a monster, six, five or better, 300 or better, all dressed to the nines, looking theatrical. So we're walking up the stairs to the W. And you see this group coming, everyone stops and looks. I mean, what is this, right? So as we're walking up, we see Mike Tyson standing at the top of the stairs. And like everybody else, he's looking at us. So as we walk by, we kind of make eye contact. I punch him in the stomach, and he goes, you're the guy that hit me in the stomach at the hospital. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> see? That's what I mean. You see, he, yep. he remember that's, that's him, man. I'm telling you. He's doing very well with his hot boxing podcast. He's yeah. making probably more money doing what he does with his uh, CBD marijuana thing than he was when he was fighting. I mean, he's raking in the dough doing that business. Good friend, man. Guys, Good friend. Before but, we sign off, Wilson wanted to say hello real quick. Yeah. Wilson, the vicious pit bull, wanted to say oh, hello. Sticking the tongue out. Some, somebody just asked me uh, who was the, the toughest K1 fighter, which is a very hard to think. I'm, gonna, I'm a little biased there. Because like Peter Ertz was a very close friend of mine, is a close friend of mine, so I go with him. But Sebi Shield was the four-time champion. Andy Hook, really good. I mean, there's so many. Raymond Bonjeski, Ernesto Host, and Sebi Shield. Oh, I just said, he was the four-time K1 champion. Wow. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys. But I like Peter Ertz. And why? Because this guy, who, for instance, had back surgery, comes back, wins the whole tournament again. Then he gets knocked out really bad, comes back, wins the next tournament. I mean, the guy is just unbelievable. They, they just come back the whole time. He's so tough. I mean, this guy, what you see in movies, kicking trees, he'll, well, he, he can do that. And there's hey, zero burden on this. Real quick, I've always been curious, boss. Like, is K1 comparable to UFC in terms of paydays? Uh, well, at that time, yes. At that time, when they had K1, they made good money. There was, I mean, the last K1 was $400,000, right? And they won the tournament. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was always pretty much won by a Dutch guy. It was so ridiculous that from the last few K1s there were, from the final eight, there will be like seven Dutch, <laughs> you know, they fight over the whole year. So yeah. they ask him, for instance, uh, Bonner Hari, he's from uh, Turkey, but he was born in Holland. But then he would, they asked him, can you come up with the Turkish flag? So at least they got some colors. Otherwise, yeah. everything is Dutch, 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 Dutch. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, those guys are real animals. If you think MMA stuff, I always say those guys. It, it, those it's a different guys. animal. Those guys are animals. Like Didn't Bob Stafford K1? Bob Sapp, was he K1? He, he, he did, and he actually he stopped uh, Ernesto Hoost. It was the wildest thing. Bob, uh, but then you know, I'll never forget. Bob, about. Bob, you know, Bob, Bob these days, unfortunately, he lost his reputation because he's lost literally 40 or 50 fights in a row, and they don't last more than 30 seconds because he goes out there and he quits. But I remember we went, we were in, uh, in, in Seoul, in South Korea. I had Sean O'Hare and Tom Howard there to fight against Hong Man Choi, the seven-foot Korean and whatnot. And there was an eight-man K-1 kickboxing tournament that night, and Bob was in the tournament. Is that a winner-take-all? Is that how it works? No, no, it, it wasn't, but there was big prize money uh, for the winner. And at the time, an Australian tough guy named Sam Greco was training uh, was training I Bob. And I, Sam treated Bob like, part of my language, like a little bitch. I mean, yeah. he made Bob work. I sat there ringside, or actually inside the front row, because that's where we would go, and watch Bob win three legitimate kickboxing matches that night to win that tournament. So there was a brief point in time when Bob Sapp even was a real kickboxer. It was pretty he was, amazing. He did really amazing, yeah. But then fame got to him, I think, and he, he started paying attention more to that, and unfortunately pulled him away from training. Yes. And right. that was a shame. Sam Greco, I mean, he's, he's a badass. He did the 50-man kumite. 
So 50 black belts you have to fight. Um, uh, two minutes each. So the, tr the trick is, well, the trick, you're going to have to see if you can do it, to knock as many out as you can. And these are all Japanese guys. They don't want a foreigner, a gaijin, to win, you know, to, to make it. So they're coming after you. And to do 50 men, that is uh, it's pretty gnarly. I'm surprised so, that it on TV. Like, why isn't that on TV? I watch that. Yep. Yep. I mean, you know, the greatest thing never to make TV, guys, if you haven't seen it, look it up over the over the weekend. Did you ever see TFC out of Latvia, the team fighting championships? No. Or you got it, boss, did you ever see that? No. I'm going to look. Look it up. Team fighting championships. It was out of Latvia. They get five guys against five guys. Oh, in a I giant see. Cage with Someone's five referees. And they go, go. And all guys would charge. And same rules as MMA. But the thing is, the first guy that would lose, you know, from tapping out or some, you know, getting knocked out or yeah. stoppage would have to leave. Then it was five on four. So inevitably, some guys getting double teamed. Yeah. It was five on three and five on two. And that's when it really starts to get ugly. But uh, it's pretty damn entertaining for that. Yeah, I see it. It's not like rock fighting to me, like pit bull fighting. It's a little dangerous, you know. I uh, that I'm not a big fan of. It's fun to watch, but even that, you know, because once you team up with three against one, yeah. you're portraying fighters. That's that's it's dangerous. Yeah. yeah, not not cool, not cool. I think yeah. uh, I think I'm gonna give Sam Greco a call though. We should bring Sam on. Um, and that guy is funny as hell. Also, he'd he'd be yeah. uh, he'd be good to have on. Oh yeah, I I know him very well. He's a he's a good dude. Absolutely. So, Guys, we're like past an hour. And, okay. Uh, same as like every week. So good to see you guys. Glad we were able to do this and that Butterbean was able to uh, to join us. We, we, we know that um, two weeks from today, we have Mick Foley on with us, which I'm very much looking forward to. And, and I was going to say in two weeks, I'm headed to Switzerland on the 27th when Mick Foley comes on. So he's going to have to fill in for me. Okay. Well, we'll miss you for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it, but in honor of next week being your last week for a couple weeks, we'll see yeah. who we can get to join us. And uh, we'll keep it going, guys. All right, bye, All right take it easy. Good to see you. Gentlemen. All right. Godspeed. <laughs> Thank you. Signing off for Talking Tough. Ooh. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.